Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. The latest dispatch from the fascist state of North Carolina, where the State Board of Elections has now approved not one, not two, not three, not four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I'm not going to count all the way up because it's 99 student and employee identification cards across the state in order to fully suppress the vote with the voter ID this election. Yes, for the 2023 municipal elections, as well as the 2024 primary and general elections, uh, they, uh, they approved these 99 forms of IDs. Uh, they did this, uh, what, Monday afternoon, I want to say? And uh, I believe as they were signing the, uh, the orders... Uh, they were sued seconds after they were adopted. That's it. The leftists sued immediately. I don't even think they waited for the approval. Voters are going to be asked to show photo ID when voting in the state, starting with the municipal elections this fall. Because candidate filing is open, right? People are uh, making their intentions known. They're uh, they're filing the uh, their candidacy papers and such. And so a photo ID requirement was added to the state constitution 2018 they've been trying since like 2012 2011 2012 the republicans took control of the general assembly and immediately began trying to implement uh election integrity measures including a photo id and they kept getting sued and courts kept blocking them from implementing a photo id regime that was similar to other states photo id regimes that were deemed to be constitutional and legal so for some reason i guess it's just it's unconstitutional in this state or has been i guess uh so then we adopted it all the voters we went to the polls in in uh, uh 2018 and we said yes let's put this into the constitution and then the general assembly went back and drew up the the law and um Since doing that, there have been various legal cases against all of the iterations that they've been trying to put on the books. The most recent was in December. Democrats at that point, you'll recall, held a four to three Democrat majority on the state Supreme Court. But it was December 2022. They were they were zombie court. Right. They were lame duck because they got voted out. The Democrats got got swept in the state Supreme Court races. And so when the Republicans took over, um, they overturned that ruling in a 5-2 court ruling. All Republicans uh, ruling for the overturning and the two Democrats ruling against it. So it carried. Um, this is from Teresa Opeka at the Carolina Journal, carolinajournal.com. Quote, the newly approved IDs include student IDs for all UNC system schools, community colleges, private colleges, and universities, employee IDs for other educational institutions, charter schools, and some county governments. Uh, 
Andy Jackson, the director of the Civitas Center for Public Integrity at the John Locke Foundation, said that the student IDs will likely have more of an impact, which is this is really, I think, at the heart of all of this. The Democrats make these arguments about, oh, you know, it's not at all racisty for us to say that people of color can't get IDs, whatever. But um, I always found it to be a bit of a racist kind of position. But this is really the heart of it. And I always try to talk about this when I discuss voter ID because it's about the college campuses. And and if you can't get the college campuses to vote in the elections, they can't count on those young lefty voters, Right. That's the whole point. And so getting the college campus ID, which, by the way, the campus ID does not verify your uh, residency, right? It doesn't say, uh, my college ID never said that, but let's look at, uh, say, for example, my alma mater, uh, Winthrop University. I went to Winthrop in Rock Hill. Uh, I lived in Rock Hill. But you know what? I went to school with people that were from Charlotte. Yeah, especially as I got into the uh, the later grade or or years, I guess when I was like you know senior, uh, there were there were upper level classes that were being taken by people that were commuting down from Charlotte. So them having a, a Winthrop photo ID doesn't prove that they live in Rock Hill. Much like if I were to commute up to UNC Charlotte from Rock Hill, uh, that would not prove I live there either. This is this is one of the problems. It doesn't. You're trying to tie it to. I understand that you're going to use it to show that this is you, who you say you are, but our system is always based on residency, right? So, if you're you got to be on the voting the voter rolls with a, a legit address, and this is where list maintenance becomes super important. But <clears throat> here's the key. Andy Jackson, in the piece at Carolina Journal, quote, It is especially true for out-of-state students who otherwise would not have an acceptable ID, because driver's licenses from other states are only acceptable if the person had registered to vote within 90 days of the election. Right, and you don't have your you don't have your new ID yet because you just moved to the state within 90 days. So students from, let's say, New Jersey or Pennsylvania uh, will be able to vote in North Carolina. Right, and that's the key. For the left, that's what they want. They want more of the college kids from other states able to vote here in North Carolina. State law only requires residency 25 days before Election Day. So most out-of-state students qualify before October or November elections. Now, there's an obvious uh, loophole here, right? Which is you could go and vote in person by claiming to live on the campus, right? Even though that's not your, like, now you're getting into, uh, and this is what Mark Meadows ran into, although he wasn't charged because he was basically taking advantage of the exact same law that college students do. Right? What is your domicile? How long have you lived there? It is the place to which you intend to return. And uh, that's just like on basically an honor system. So, you you know, college kids that uh, they they come into the state, they go to school for like, you know, eight or nine months out of the year, uh, and they're constantly going back home for summers and stuff, and they intend to not stay in North Carolina after they graduate. They're going to go back home. I'm thinking all the, you know, like like 90% of the population at Duke University. Well, they're all from Jersey. Anyway, um, I don't know what it is about Jersey. But... uh, 
No, the, this is the you know this is the the problem with the definition of where you reside and all of that. And so, uh, state law only requires residency 25 days prior to the election. So most out-of-state students qualify before October or November elections because they have arrived in August and, and September. So they're already here. So look at me. I'm here 25 days. I got my ID. Now I can vote. And here's the loophole. What's to stop me from asking for a ballot back home? Right? Could I get an absentee ballot and vote in my home state? Because then you're relying on some sort of a cross-check system, right? To make sure that people aren't double voting. Oh, no, I know. Nobody would ever... Nobody would ever do this, because remember, we had the big announcement, and everybody agreed um, that no more vote fraud, right? Nobody is going to do this ever again. We all said, look, there were some problems in the past. Yes, there were some rigged elections in the past. There was some election and vote fraud in the past, but no more. We are now a more moral people than they were in the past. Remember that day when we all agreed that? Yeah, that was the... I mean, I think it was before my time. So the IDs have to include a photograph. They have to confirm the student's identity using social security number, citizenship status, and birth date in order to be a qualified form of ID. So that has to occur like at the at the institutional level, like at the college. They have to confirm all of that. And it's got to have an expiration date. Um, if a voter does not have an acceptable photo ID, they can get one for free from DMV. Also, they're getting ready to roll them out at uh, all of the elections offices for free. Yeah. Or, as I like to call it, suppression. Right. Election and voter suppression by the fascist GOP. It's really remarkable. Let's talk to Larry. Hello, Larry. Welcome to the program. How are you? Pete, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm good. What's up? I wanted to call and tell you about my last voting opportunity in Charlotte and live in Rock Hill. Okay. I grew up in Charlotte, left Charlotte moved back to Rock Hill to get out of the crime and high taxes. And I went online to remove myself off the voters' rolls in Mecklenburg County. Mm-hmm. And I knew they were still there. And so I went and cast my vote in Rock Hill, like I always never missed an election. And then after I voted, before I went to work, I went to my old precinct, filled out the form, and all proper and everything, and just backtracking a second, in Rock Hill, you have to provide a driver's license to be right. able to vote or an ID. It's been that way and, for a long time, too. Yes. <laughs> it took me all of three seconds. Yeah. And so, I, as I said, in Charlotte, walked up, filled out the form. You know, you signed saying, this is your address. I did all that. And I said, I want to speak to the precinct captain. And they called him over, and he, and he said, what, what can I help you with? And I said... Showed him my driver's license in South Carolina, and I said, I could have voted, and nobody would have ever asked. Mm-hmm. And everybody was kind of shocked and dumbfounded, and they really didn't know what to do. They called downtown, and they said, yes, he's on the rolls. And I said, well, I've been trying to get myself off the rolls, but nobody will remove me off the rolls. Mm-hmm. Are so you I still on the rolls now? States if I wanted to. Are, did they finally correct it? No, it's still on the rolls. It's still you're still listed as a resident of Mecklenburg County, eligible to vote. Correct. When's the last time you checked that? Uh, probably about four months ago. Oh my gosh! 
That's yeah. So, so they do not. They're supposed to when you register in a different state at the driver's license bureau. They're supposed to trade that information. It is not being traded. Right. This is why the list maintenance process is so important, yet every time they try to do list maintenance um, legislation or uh, they try to force this issue in different states, you get all this pushback and, and outrage and criticism that you're, you know, you're trying to kick people off the voting rolls. But this is why you have to do these cross-checks, and they won't even allow these types of cross-check systems to be implemented. It's, uh, it's almost as if there might be a reason why. <laughs> yeah, even when they know I'm not supposed to be on the rolls, I'm still on the rolls. Yeah, that's nuts. And, and look, I, I've I've heard uh, stories also when people pass away, and they have to, and they're you know usually like adult children are trying to get their late parent removed. Uh, stuff like that is a challenge sometimes. So, uh, I mean, and this is like the dirty. This is the dirty work, the administrative work of election integrity. Hey, Larry, I appreciate the, uh, the call. Thanks for the story. Thank you. All right, take care. Yeah, no, it's it's concerning, right? This is, and this is not a conspiracy theory or anything. It's actually just this kind of the boring element of all of it. It's the administrative side of stuff. And people who do not intend to commit fraud do not think in these terms. People who do intend to commit fraud, they most certainly do. They know the system. They know where the weaknesses are. Oh, and before I forget, have you got your ticket to the Heritage Life Skills event yet? I'll be there. The annual event is put on by Carolina Readiness Supply, and you can learn all sorts of ways to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables. I'll be there Saturday evening. Check out the schedule at carolinareadiness.com. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness can help you. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Uh, I will be dipping into... The whistleblower hearing, it starts at 1 o'clock up on Capitol Hill. Uh, we'll get into some more of those details. I got some messages on that. Uh, also, yes, the uh, Jason Aldean story, um, if you haven't heard. Also, be listening because at some point during the program, we're going to be giving away a pair of tickets to WBT's News and Brews. So stay tuned for that. Uh, first up, though, let's go over here and get... Uh, back to the phone lines here is sammy we were talking about uh election integrity and the voter id uh, 99 forms of id now approved by the state board of elections sammy welcome to the show how are you fine Pete. How are you today? yeah i'm doing good doing good i was listening to the last caller and i thought you'd find this one interesting i'm 74 years old i've lived in three states augusta georgia nashville tennessee and now I live in Lincoln County. Okay. I'm still registered in all three. <laughs> uh, have you tried to have you tried to get wiped off the rolls? Like with a cloth? I did a long time ago, but after a while you just you just get tired of fooling with. Of course I would never do that. Right. But if you think your people uh, who are adamant about getting a, a Democrat elected wouldn't do it, you're wrong. 
Well, and look, I, I'm sure there are people, I know there are, uh, that do it for the Republican Party as well. And and here's the thing. It's not even whether you specifically would want to go and, and vote in those other counties. Uh, and they may actually, or, or well, if they're different states, moving from one county to another inside North Carolina is pretty secure. Uh, they, they do catch those. But going across state lines, it's not whether you necessarily take the opportunity to commit fraud. It's whether somebody is pulling the uh, the voter rolls and they're able to look at that and say, oh, Sammy hasn't voted in the last, you know, three or four presidential elections or something, so I'm going to go vote in his name. So, like, you should go back to those other states and check and see, has anybody been voting in your name? I don't know that. You know, after a while, you know, one of the reasons why the government has gotten so corrupt is because after a while you just get beat up trying to fix things. Yeah. And you just say, all the heck with it. Yeah. No, I get it. It's getting away with it. Yeah. No, yeah, it's, uh, but again, it's, you know, good people, competent people have to stand up and volunteer and and help do some of this work because otherwise. I agree with you. Yeah. Bad and incompetent people are going to run the the show. (laughs) So, yeah. That's how we got where we are. Pretty much, yep. Uh, Sammy, I appreciate the call, sir. Thank you. All right. Uh, I d- yeah, so you have, y- yeah, I mean, you, you got to go back and try to correct the records as best you can because otherwise somebody could be, because in North Carolina, I don't know what those state laws are in Tennessee uh, and Georgia, but in North Carolina, I can pull, if I have your name, I can pull your voter card and I can look and see all of the elections you voted in. And the campaigns get this information during early voting. They can pull it in real time. Like at the end of the day, they know who has cast votes early. And so they can line that up with your history, right? This is what all of the, the field workers do, right? They go out and they're like, okay, we know, uh, you know, Pete is a, I, I'm an A voter, right? I vote in all of the elections. And so chances are they're not going to be able to vote in my stead because they're going to, somebody's going to find out, right? Because I always vote. But if you're one of these people that only votes in the presidential elections, a B voter, right, then, and you don't vote in primaries or anything like that, well, now they know, okay, you know, let's say, you know, Bernie isn't voting in every single election, so we know he doesn't ever vote in the midterms or in the primaries, so let's just send somebody in and vote for him. And just recite the information, Bernie's name, his address. They go in. See, that's the that's the problem. And with staying on the on the rolls and not having the photo ID, that's that's what the photo ID helps to guard against is poor list maintenance. So, um, speaking of the election, uh, the big news is that uh, Elise Dashu not going to be running for re-election on the. Uh, Charlotte Mecklenburg Board of Education. Thank God. Um, <laughs> she wasn't she the one that said a couple of months ago, like, "Well, we're not on the ballot." During the last election cycle, she made some snarky comment to the parents who were there complaining about something terrible that the board was doing, and um, and she said, "Well, I'm not on the ballot." Well, I guess she's not going to be on the ballot either this year. She's not going to run again. She's nearing the end of her second term on the school board. According to the Charlotte Observer, who had the exclusive story, uh, she was elected in 2015, re-elected in 2019. Her tenure includes serving three years as vice chair and then chair for four years. 
So this has been her board, basically, for like the last seven years, right? It has seen, uh, it now has five new faces after the last November election. Um, And then the board voted to keep her as chair for her final year. The board will now have uh, three at-large seats open, all three of them at-large in the November election. And uh, it guarantees two new board members because Jennifer Delahara is not running uh, again and uh, Lenora Ship is uh, the third at-large seat, and she is running for re-election. Seven people have filed for those three seats so far. Um, is this Ray? Let me go over here to Ray. Hello, Ray. Welcome to the program. Can I call you, Ray? Yes, you can. Okay, uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Pete. How yes, you doing? I'm good. How are you? I, uh, on this subject right here, I subscribe to Judicial Watch and support them. Yeah. And I've got their newsletter in... I've heard reports in their newsletter that they've had several states to clean up their judicial uh, voting rolls and take several voters, I mean, thousands or hundreds of thousands off. Mm -hmm. And my question is, they didn't do it to start with, and I'm sure there was probably a law to do that. So they sued, and they got, uh, I guess, a judgment against the states to do that. So what... Um, what happens if they don't do it this time? Do they just keep getting sued and keep getting judgments against them and then get sued again when they don't follow the law or the ruling of the court? How does that work? I think so, yeah. I think it's 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 litigation in perpetuity. Really? Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, yeah, unless you start um, uh, you know, impeaching government officials, and I think, uh, I mean, the courts don't do that, but the the legislature could start doing something like that if you get, if you get people in there that just refuse to comply with court orders, right, or rulings. Yeah. So when they get a judgment against them, uh, like anything else, if there's no consequences for your actions, then it's just going to never never be resolved. Right. Well, and look, th- the left does this very well, right? They are constantly suing over everything, right? That's why the voter ID took, you know, over a decade to implement in North Carolina because of all of the litigation. So uh, I think the right needs to be building, and Judicial Watch is a good example of it, they're, you know, building these sort of countervailing uh, organizations uh, to engage in the lawfare. Yeah. So what it amounts to, when enough, only until enough people uh, start voting to vote these corrupt people out that don't yeah. follow the law, it's just going to stay the same, like you said, voting... Yeah. Um, uh, litigation in perpetuity. Yep. So, I mean, and really, that's the that, that is the 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 true blessing of the story. Really, is that the lawyers make out like bandits, right? I think we can all celebrate that. Uh, <laughs> all right. Ray, I appreciate the call. Thanks a lot, Pete. All right, man. See ya. That's all right. at least the lawyers get paid. Okay. Uh, all right. So I got a couple more messages here on uh, election related items and such. Um, Let's see, this is from Dan, who says, Pete, during the last presidential election, two of my siblings in Illinois called me to voice a serious voting concern about our dad. We grew up in a very strict conservative household with both parents registered as lifelong Republicans in Schaumburg, Schaumburg, one of Chicago's northwest suburbs in Cook County. Uh, Much to our shock, our sister discovered that dad had registered as a Democrat, though, and had voted in a Democrat primary and apparently cast a ballot for Joe Biden in the general election. Of course, we were all deeply concerned, especially since Dad would never have voted Democrat prior to his death in 1991. That's 
That's politics. It's Cook County people. It's a joke. I don't think Dan is from there. Maybe he is. Um, Neil says, per an Associated Press story, our good friend Ray Cooper has been diagnosed with COVID-19. Poor Ray will have to work remotely now for the rest of the week. That's Don't you mean remotely work? That is kind of what he does. Um, <laughs> I kid the governor. He vetoes a lot. Um, do, 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 let me go back here to my... Oh, wait a minute. Where? Where? Oh, there they are. Okay. I was like, where did my, my mentions go on Twitter? Um, John says, oh, John Galt, who are you? Um, I would like to see the election integrity people cross-check every voter who uses student ID to see if they voted twice and to then prosecute them to the fullest extent of the law. Um, I don't know how you get at that kind of information. I don't think they're going to be keeping a running tally on the types of ID that people use. But look, this was always right, like the Republicans created what is, I believe, the most liberal or generous uh, voter ID regime in America. They're, they put money in the budget to to create a van that's going to drive around to people's houses and give them IDs. Like, one-stop shop. Like, show up, take the picture, to have a little lamination machine in there, and, and now you have your ID, boom, right then and there. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine being that, like, being that the driver and the operator having to drive all the way out someplace? You get there, and they're like, oh, did I need this other piece of documentation? I'm like, ah! That would drive me nuts. That would just drive me nuts. There should be some sort of a penalty. No, you can't penalize them. You can't. You can't like find somebody for wasting your uh, the DMV's time uh, and money. Or would that be board of elections van? I don't know. But driving all out, you know, all the way out to some uh, remote place, and then they don't have the paperwork. Dave says, Pete, my head hurts. So an out-of-state college student can vote local and state elections. Does this include our military stationed here? Because that was not the case before I retired in 2002. Um, I believe the military ballots count here in North Carolina. Um, And that's why, you know, despite voter registration um, numbers that, you know, might say otherwise. And by the way, I saw again, unaffiliated are, you know, through the roof. By registration now, um, Andy Jackson keeps a running total of this, so there are now way more people registered as unaffiliated. Democrats lost a whole bunch, and uh, Republicans, I think, picked up some registrations. So it is a constant state of flux. But yes, the uh, this is look. This is why um, Republicans were always uh, such protectors of the absentee ballots, because that's how a lot of military. That's how the military votes, right? So Republicans were always really protective of the absentee ballot process. Until, you know, 2020. And then everything flipped. Now now we can't have absentee ballots anymore. (laughs) All right. We'll dip into the uh, whistleblower testimony up next.